0: Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear hotline. As busy as we've been. Two hours of crazy television this morning and we're rolling it over here. Did you see Tremendous Trey? Did you hear what Steve Kerr said about KD and MJ? Can you believe what the commissioner of baseball said yesterday? We've got all that and a whole lot more. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. It's open for three, puts it up, and it's back-to-back. Three-pointers for Ice Trey Young. Every single person that came in, they all feed off the confidence Trey Young plays with, and you saw that here tonight in game one. We all just believe. When you have a group that really believes in each other, anything can happen. Right, we have another superstar in the NBA. There's really no other way to put it. Trey Young has emerged more than any other player in this postseason as a legit superstar, and it is the second time in my career that I've been this kind of dead wrong about a player. And it should not surprise you. It is the player to whom he is always going to be compared who was the other one. When Steph Curry was coming out of Davidson, my immediate impression of him was, this is a tremendous college player who will be a great shooter in the NBA and nothing more. And obviously, I couldn't have been more wrong. And I thought Trey Young would be something similar to that. And obviously, I couldn't be more wrong after 48 points last night and the flair and the moxie and the swag and this postseason that he's had beginning with the way he went back and forth with the crowd at the Garden that he's just staring down the fans at Madison Square Garden and oh by the way an elite defensive coach in Tom Thibodeau who had no answers for him at all and winning two road games out of three in that series and then you take on Philly and the great defense that that team plays with the rim protection they have and Simmons who can play defense even if he can't shoot and all the rest of that and they win three road games out of four in that series. And now they go up against Milwaukee, the team that everyone thought, well, they got through Brooklyn. This is finally Giannis's year. And what does he do? He walks into that building and puts up 48 points last night and steals home court again. They win for the third consecutive series, they take game one on the road and so let me make this straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless because i I don't know that i need to tell you how great trey young was last night or how great he is if you watched any of that game last night or have watched any of the coverage of it you are well aware of how spectacular he was but i have a question because we're witnessing one of two things in these nba playoffs and i'm not sure which as we watch these dynamic young stars Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, um, Devin Booker. We are seeing one of two things. Is it A, a changing of the guard at the top of the NBA food chain? Or is it B, the young guys elevating because of the nature of the last season and a half, and thus the older guys are tired and in many cases breaking down? Because with the exception of Kevin Durant, The best players in this postseason have all been 24 or younger. In fact, and I never do this, but I'm going to give you a very, very quick green list right off the top.
1: The list is what determines who matters in this business. The
0: Green List. If I were to name the five best players in these playoffs so far, just the five best players in the 2021 NBA playoffs, they would be... Number five. Luka Doncic. And as spectacular as he was, I have to put him five because he got knocked out in the first round and everybody else involved didn't. Now, that isn't his fault, although there was some criticism of him coming out of that series, some criticism of his willingness or ability to share and play nicely with teammates. So Luka Doncic, as brilliant as he was, is number five. Number four. Donovan Mitchell is four. Donovan Mitchell who was just, I mean, ridiculously spectacular at the age of 24 for Utah, causing Stephen A. Smith to say that he's already the greatest player in jazz history, ahead of Karl Malone and John Stockton. Mitchell playing with through injuries of numerous varieties, carrying that team, uh, Utah, as he did. But they get knocked out, of course. Number three. Number three is Devin Booker. And up until last night, I would have put him at number two. But he got bounced from that spot by Trey Young. But Booker has been ridiculous. And as great as Chris Paul is, Devin Booker has been the best player on that team. People are talking about him as having the Mamba mentality. Is he the next Kobe? All the rest of that. Devin Booker, who was 24 years old, has been spectacular. Number two. Two is Trey Young, who was 22. And I put him there because I think he's doing it with less. I think he's doing it with less than Devin Booker is doing it. Now, that is a team that has been very well put together around him. I don't mean to diminish how good some of those other guys are, but I feel like Devin Booker can have a bad night and his team still has a chance. I don't think Trey Young has that luxury, and so I put Trey Young at number two. Number one. And one is KD. The best player in these playoffs has been Kevin Durant, and I don't think that's going to change no matter what. What Kevin Durant did in games five and seven of that series, albeit ultimately in a losing effort against Milwaukee, is the stuff of legend. That might have been the greatest performances I've ever seen, certainly right up there. So he's number one on today's green list of of, of the five best players in this year's playoffs. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. But what is unreal, again, is that KD is KD. He's an immortal. But of the other four, two of them are 22 and the other two are 24. So the question is, what are we seeing? Let me bring Nuno into the conversation early here today. Nuno, which is it? Are we seeing a changing of the guard? Is the baton being passed right now to this generation of stars? Mitchell, Booker, Trey Young, Luka. Throw Jason Tatum into that conversation. Or is this still a league that belongs to LeBron, KD, Kawhi, whoever else falls in that category, and This is just an anomaly based upon the condensed schedule and the older players suffering for it more. Which is it?
2: I think it's the latter. I think we're seeing this because of kind of just what's happened the last year and a half. And, you know, some of these guys, uh, you know, know, like LeBron being not healthy or the Warriors not being, uh, being healthy. I think next year we will see some sort of, you know, retread, Back what we back to a reversion, a reversion back to what we had.
0: Well, and I forgot to mention Steph in that. And certainly he should be mentioned in that as well. So, yes, I, I, I don't know the answer. And, and, and I guess we won't know, but we'll see. But I do believe what we're seeing now is the emergence of multiple young superstars. And so I invite you to go to my Twitter page. On Twitter, at ESPN Greeny, and I have a poll question that we posted uh, this morning. I didn't even put it up yesterday. It's got a ton of votes. Last time I looked, at it had 19,000 votes already, and we got about another hour and a half here before I close it. And the question is, who you got among those four guys I just named? Luca, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Trey Young. Who you got? Who do you choose? Luca Doncic is leading the voting right now. I would have thought that would be a no-brainer. And before these playoffs started going along, I'm not sure it's as easy as that anymore. One way or another, go on my Twitter page, at ESPN Greeny, cast your vote. We'll see where we wind up with that. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Meanwhile,
1: I'm sorry, what? what, what? I'm sorry, what?
2: what? I'm sorry, what?
1: I'm sorry, what?
0: (laughs) All right, Steve Kerr in an interview with, uh, I believe it was uh, NBC Sports Bay Area, talking about Kevin
2: Durant and how incredibly gifted he is, said this. He's the most talented basketball player on earth. Uh, if not of all time, honestly, um, he's just so gifted. You played with Michael Jordan, and, and, and I know. And I know. Right I think there. he's more gifted. I really do. I mean, it- okay,
0: I th- he goes on from there. You've probably seen the clip by now. It was everywhere. Steve Kerr, that's the the crux of it. Steve Kerr, who played with Jordan, who won three championships with Jordan, says he believes Kevin Durant is more gifted than Michael Jordan. I want to go around the horn on opinion on this. And I'm going to get Legler in, and then I'll give you the right answer. But let me start with hashtag Hembo. Hembo, do you agree with Steve Kerr that Kevin Durant is more gifted than Michael Jordan? Yeah,
1: I think he's 100% right. The operative word is gifted. He didn't say better. He said gifted, defined as having exceptional talent or natural ability. For my money, he is more talented or more naturally able than Michael Jordan Kevin Durant was created in a basketball laboratory. Michael Jordan was not. He didn't say better. He said more gifted, and I agree with him.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, let me go to hashtag Bubba, and, and once again, I think it's important for me to remind the audience mm. that before Bubba began this career in radio production, he was a very accomplished basketball scout, uh, primarily international, handling a lot of Eastern Europe, I believe scouted Tony Kukoc, among many others. So, so your opinion on this is very important. Do you agree, Bubba, that Kevin Durant is more gifted than Michael Jordan?
2: Yes, I would agree. He is more gifted.
0: Okay, fair enough. There's another vote for yes. Nuno, Kevin Durant, more gifted? (laughs) Yes. Okay, well, that's a pretty quick answer. Devin, I'll give you the final word. Is Kevin Durant more gifted than Michael Jordan?
2: Yes. Okay,
0: fair enough. Mm. That is a clean sweep. I will get Tim Legler into this conversation next. We'll see what he thinks, and then I will give you my opinion. And we are only just getting started. This is about as good a day as we've had in a long time. Stick around. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. KJZ. Here's what's going to happen to Zach Wilson. As long as he is a playoff-type quarterback, he can have that Philip Rivers-type career. The NFL season never ends on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Get the latest tomorrow morning starting at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Back on ESPN Radio. Greeny with you. uh, Presented by Progressive Insurance. Timmy Legler will join us shortly here on the Goodyear Hotline as we continue to wax rhapsodic about the performance of Trey Young last night. Talk about Steve Kerr's comments about KD and Michael Jordan, and there's a whole lot of other things to get to today. We'll do all of that in 30 seconds after this word from California Almonds. You want to be your best, whether your best means being the best bingo player in the office or the best volleyball player on the planet. To do that, you're going to need some help. Your teammate to tackle anything and everything, a handful of almonds have six grams of plant-based protein and are an excellent source of vitamin E and magnesium. It's the snack you need to keep your head in the game and your body energized. So whether you're going for the gold or another round of bingo, refuel with almonds, California almonds, own your every day, every day. Again, we hope to have Timmy Legs for you here coming up in just a couple of minutes. But we were just going through the the Steve Kerr comments in which once again, in fact, I, I want to play it again because I like the sort of sound of the tone of shock in the voice of the interviewer. I don't know who's doing the interview for NBC Sports Bay Area, but... whoever it is, he did it exactly right. Like he points out, wait a minute. When, when Steve Kerr says Kevin Durant is the most gifted player ever, he says, wait a minute. You played with Michael. Listen, he's the most talented
2: basketball player on earth. Uh, If not of all time, honestly, Um, he's just so gifted.
1: You played with Michael Jordan. I know. I I think
2: he's more gifted. I really do. I mean, that's saying something, but Kevin is a different, entirely different
0: breed. I mean, 6'11". Okay, so then he runs through all the different things. The the physical gifts that um, Kevin Durant has that Michael Jordan didn't and that maybe no one ever did. And that's fair. If we're going to limit the conversation to that, then I'm not going to dispute it. But I think a lot of other things are gifts. Like I happened to just literally just now, I happened to Google what are the signs of a highly gifted person, signs of giftedness. They don't have anything. Now, this is not not about basketball. It's not about sports. But here are all the things that it says. Perceptive inquiring minds, unusual insight, superior judgment, abstract and critical thinking. I think Michael Jordan had all of that Mm. better than anybody I've ever seen. I also wonder if there isn't something in confidence, tenacity, competitiveness. Are those not gifts? I don't know. If we're just picking the biggest and the fastest and the strongest, then sure, go ahead. That's no, there's nothing to talk about. LeBron James, I think, is more gifted. Actually, I, I think you could make an argument. LeBron James is more gifted than Kevin Durant. He's not as good a shooter but it probably outweighs him by 70 pounds. There's any number of things LeBron James can do that Kevin Durant can't. Is that what we're talking about? We're not talking about who would win a decathlon. We're talking about gifts to play the game of basketball. Does defense factor into this at all? Kevin Durant has turned himself into a good defensive player, and I give him a lot of credit for that. I believe that the time he was playing, Michael Jordan was the best defensive player in the sport. And if I needed one stop for and my life depended on the outcome, I would have Michael Jordan playing the defense. Now, not against Shaq, but I wouldn't put Kevin Durant on Shaq either. So the point is, I think it really depends on how loosely we're willing to define the word gifted. We're just kind of throwing around, well, he's bigger and he can shoot better. Okay, yes, of that, there is no discussion of that. There is no debate. We also turned it into a pretty interesting conversation on Get Up this morning because Marcus Spears unwittingly asked a great question, which is, if Kevin Durant played when Michael Jordan played, how would things be? And I raised my hand. I obviously didn't play basketball in the 90s, but I covered basketball in the 90s. I was around that every single day, home and road every game. And when you sit down where I was privileged to sit because I was a reporter, I don't think the reporters sit down there anymore because the seats cost thousands and thousands of dollars. But when I was covering the teams, you would sit basically on the court covering these games. Like Woody Allen was behind me when, we, when the, uh, the Bulls would come to the garden. But I'm here to tell you <clears throat> that the defense, P.J. Tucker, played on Kevin Durant in that series a couple of weeks ago. That got all that attention would have been considered soft in the 90s on a Tuesday night in New Jersey in February, much less a playoff game. They beat the ever-loving you-know-what out of Michael Jordan every single game. They didn't go look at the monitor, see if this was a flagrant two. If they had flagrant twos in the 90s, I'm telling you right now, neither Rick Mahorn Bill Laimbeer or Dennis Rodman would ever have seen the second quarter of a game. They would not have been eligible when the second... They would not have made it to their first substitution. They would be on the side watching whoever was their backup. James Edwards would be out there playing center. John Sally would be out there playing because there was no conceivable chance that they were going to be out there. The game was just different. So Hembo, you and I put together... Uh, a down barrel, which is what we call our, our essays, our television essays. Uh, last year, during when the time when Last Dance was airing, and we tried to figure out as best we could, we tried to use, do some statistical analysis on how many points a game Michael Jordan would average if he played today. And that is based upon how many more possessions there are per game, how many more shots are taken per game, how much, how, uh, I guess it must have been fouls and three-point shots. What did we come up with? You you said you found the script.
1: Yeah, we approximated that he would average 45 points a game in his prime. He would average 45 points a game. Using all those variables that you just said and adjusting or inflating for what the game is now.
0: And he would have played every night, and he would average 45 points a game. So let me bring Tim Legler into the conversation here. He's on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven legs. I, I sort of brought up the discussion that we had on TV this morning, and you were the perfect person because you played in that era. You played in the 90s. The level of physicality, and I, I don't I don't want to turn this into, a, is Kevin Durant more gifted than Michael Jordan? Because that, we, if we're going to define gifted as narrowly as we seem to be, then I'm not going to make an argument the other way. But – Timmy Legler, how would you describe the difference in the level of physicality of an NBA game, particularly a playoff game in the 90s, relative to today?
2: I mean, I'll, I'll be as dramatic as to say I'm not even sure it's the same sport necessarily. I mean, and, I'm, and I'm being serious about that. You know, and, and I'm not a guy that's, you know, I'm not saying, hey, you know, I'm one of these old heads that's saying, oh, everything was better back in the day. I'm not even saying that. But you cannot compare the two games because of what you were allowed to do physically, defensively to try to at least dictate some of what the offensive player was allowed to do to you. That's not the case. Now, everything's a reaction to great players and the skills I do believe have gotten greater over time. Like there are more guys with elite level handles now than there ever were more elite level shooters more elite-level, you know, one-on-one offense creators than they've ever seen. So if you take all that offensive skill and talent, and now you have to react to everything they do because you can't dictate to them anything physically, think about now the mercy that you're at with these great players. And that's what it is. And, And so in the 90s, not only could you get into guys further out on the floor and you could try to affect their balance, it was obviously harder to get by people from 30 feet to get to the rim if you initially you've got someone into your ribcage, into your hip with a forearm, with a hand. And then coming down the lane as you're trying to get to the rim, the amount of contact that you could get once you started to elevate to try to finish over people. And I made up a, a point this morning to get up with you, Greeny, that you, people have to think about You know, the, the fear of a flag or two, of an ejection, a suspension, a fine, all of those things were so minimal back then, there was no replay. You couldn't even go look at it. I mean, my nose is crooked to this day because I never had it fixed properly because I played in the nineties in the NBA. And all I got for that was two free throws and a couple of cotton balls in my nose. (laughs) No one got thrown out of the game. There were no suspensions, no fines, no flagrants. And so that element to have guys back there knowing they could come and they could physically try to get into your body to prevent you from finishing without fear of significant repercussion from the league that was a whole nother layer to what you were doing defensively at the time
0: you know it it makes me think of something else and to me i've never seen anything as dramatic as competitive and as hard fought as those series in the early 90s between jordan's bulls and patrick ewing and pat riley's knicks and i'm trying to picture you tell me trey young stands there does a little shoulder shimmy and then knocks down a three Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason are on the other team, and Pat Raleigh is the coach. What happens at some point in that game after Trey Young does his shoulder shake?
2: Oh, there's no question. I mean, there's no question he's going to be laid out. I mean, there's just there's just no way around it. Um, you know, there's another element to this that I think that does play in here, which we don't talk about a lot, but and I think it's the evolution of the friendships these guys develop at younger ages. Like, you know, you think about back then, these guys didn't really know each other at all, and they grew to genuinely dislike each other in a lot of cases. The teams that were trying to compete for the same things, it's different now. I mean, a lot of these guys, because you know of the, the ability to see guys face-to-face in, in when you're in the high school level, AAU level, the, the tournaments you're in, develop friendships through social media, staying in touch, those kinds of things, I do think that does take a little bit of the edge off the competitiveness of what guys felt for each other. When you didn't know somebody, all you knew was they were on a team that you were trying to, to beat. And that was your main competitor. And you had no relationship other than that. Made it a little bit easier to then go do what you need to do if a guy does that to your team on the court. Now, did some of the guys on the Bucks last night probably want to do that? You don't think P.J. Tucker probably wanted to go ahead and take him out to an alley? I'm sure he did. But you just you just can't do that now. They don't want that in the game so the entire mentality around it has changed. It's almost like you're just going to have to suck it up and handle it or come up with a better way to what the, in what the rules are allowing to figure out a way to defend him and take the ball out of his hands. That's the best thing you can do to shut him up. But it's not going to be physical retaliation. That was a big part of the league at that time. I've, I've joked often, I, I took more contact sometimes just running to my spot to, to get ready to run a set. And I got to run now from the right wing. We hear a play call. Okay, I got to start this set in the left corner. All right, let me go run through the lane here at a jog pace, getting ready to run this set. And I'm catching one in the spleen. I'm catching an elbow in the Adam's apple, just trying to get to my spot to run the set. That not That has nothing to do with the action. If I actually got the ball, because that's the kind of stuff that was going on. I'm not, And I'm not going to sit here and say that was better or anything like that, but you can't deny it. Anybody that tries to deny that, you're just absolutely lying to yourself because it was a different sport from that standpoint. And some of the guys that are more slightly built, that don't have a lot of physical strength and beef and brawn on them as offensive players would have had a much more difficult time withstanding the physicality. It doesn't mean... They wouldn't still be able to make plays and because of their skill level is so high. Of course, you're going to get free sometimes, make shots and things like that. But in general, if you're talking about guys that are built like that, that are just – there's not much to them, not much meat on their bone, <laughs> and you're now able to wear them out with what you're doing and the way you're hitting them physically uh, – You know, that is absolutely going to impact their ability to take over games to the extent that guys like that can in this era.
0: The NBA's Western Conference Finals are right here on ESPN Radio tonight. Game three, Clippers Suns presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 830 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. Outstanding conversation here with Tim Legler. Two more things I want to get in, Timmy, if we can. I opened the show with a question, and I, I, I legitimately don't know the answer. Because we have these dynamic young stars just playing so well in these playoffs. Luka Doncic, he's 22. Trey Young, he's 22. Devin Booker, he's 24. Donovan Mitchell, he's 24. Are we seeing a changing of the guard at the top of the sort of food chain in the NBA? Or is what we are seeing a function of this compressed schedule over the last year and a half having a greater impact on the older players and they are breaking down, whether they are tired or getting hurt or whatever it is, and it will sort of revert back to that a year from now. Which do you think it is?
2: No, I don't necessarily think that. I, I do think it's the skill level of some of these younger players. And, mm-hmm. and, again, because of the style of the game, the way the game is set up, their ability to control the action, You know, particularly when you're talking about Trey Young-Luka Doncic to me right now. And it's amazing to me, Green, if you had asked me, going into the season, or maybe even halfway through the season, could you even make a, make a comparison between Luka Doncic and Trey Young if you asked me pick one of these guys going forward to start your team? To me, I, it would have been a laughable, very short conversation because there's no way I would have put Trey Young in that category with what I see out of Luka and the potential there. He absolutely has thrust himself into that category. I have been as surprised at the level of superstardom that this guy has, has attained in such a short period of time over the last few months as anything I've seen probably in 20 years covering this league. Because when I saw Trey Young in college and I saw him coming out, I saw a guy that was highly skilled. I also saw a guy that had you know, some guards get into him in the Big 12 and force some horrific nights shooting and turnovers. And I'm saying, man, you know, he just might not be big enough and strong enough to do this at the NBA level. Well, it turns out he was even more built for the NBA than he was college because they even let you get away with more contact in college Mm -hmm. defensively than they do in the NBA a lot of nights. So this is tailor-made for him, the spacing, the the lack of contact defensively. He is out there just absolutely in a world of his own, and he has elevated himself there the last few months to where now I do think that's a legitimate conversation. Which of these guys do you want? Because I think Trey Young is on that level as a passer now with Luka. The way he's beating you with his passing, his range is better. He is a much better foul shooter, which is a big problem for Luca if he doesn't get that addressed. How are you going to close out games with a guy that's very iffy from the foul line? Um, you know, luke has got physical strength, and he's, he's got that, that you know that swag, that leadership, the way he can just beat great defenders because of his size and strength. But Trey Young is doing it at exactly the same level, maybe even at a higher level. So now for me, that's a legitimate conversation that I would have laughed at if you posed that question to me even probably three months ago.
0: Well, it's interesting because the, the, the audience, to whatever uh, degree this is um, a good answer to the question, I put a poll question up before we went on TV this morning, and it's simply this. Which of these young superstars do you choose? Trey Young, who's 22, Devin Booker, 24, Donovan Mitchell, 24, Luka Doncic, 22. I've got 21,000 and change votes. 56% say Luca. 26% say Booker, and then, you know, Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell well behind. So that that's at least a very small sample or a very small example of what some of the people paying attention to this thing would be thinking legs.
2: Yeah, I love all of those guys, but you cannot to me right now with what Trey Young can do to you and his ability to pick you apart by, by finding people, and he can make any pass in any moment with any level of traffic and the way he's seeing it ahead of time. To me, that separates him from from even Booker and Mitchell. And I mean, I love both of those guys, but for me, their primary way of beating you is going to be as elite level scorers, and they could do it really efficiently on a lot of nights, which is which is definitely a great thing. But when you add the component of on any given night, a guy can beat you with thirty to forty or more if that's what it takes, as it did last night, while also cre- creating. 20 to 30 points of offense with his passing. No, to me, that's, that separates. And that's why I think Trey Young and Luka Doncic are are actually in a different category than even Booker and Mitchell, because the nature of their game is different. Their responsibilities are different. Donovan Mitchell has a Mike Conley next to him to take a lot of that off of his plate. Booker has a Chris Paul to take that off of his plate. Uh, Trey Young, all that's on his plate and Luka Doncic too. Their plates are full with their teams because they've got to do virtually everything offensively for those teams to operate, and they're doing it despite the fact that their name is in gigantic block letters on the other team's whiteboard in the locker room, and they're still doing it. You don't think that the Milwaukee Bucks spent all of their time trying to figure out how to guard him, and he drops 48-11 in the first game? Mm. Uh, So for me, the playmaking component actually puts Trey and Luca in a different category. Than Booker and Mitchell all together.
0: It's just outstanding. Legs, I so enjoy this. Thank you, my man, and I will see you soon. All right, you got it, Greeny. All right, it's Tim Legler with me here. That's just such good. His insight is just so good, and, and you know, and he speaks with such authority, and I love hearing that stuff about the 90s, but I actually enjoyed that part of the conversation more there. He's got Trey Young that high, that high. He's putting Trey Young above Donovan Mitchell. He's putting Trey Young above Devin Booker. Stephen A. in the last week had Donovan Mitchell better than Carl Malone and John Stockton, and he had Devin Booker as the next Kobe,
2: <laughs> and Tim
0: Legler <laughs> is putting this guy ahead of them both. Okay, uh, we have so much to do. I haven't even gotten to half the things that I wanted to, but that was well, well worth it. You need to hear the things that are being said in baseball right now. Words like con artist are being thrown around. You don't want to miss this. Next, after a word from ZipRecruiter, the football offseason is always wild with all the trades and free agent signings and new coaching hires. Teams have to be excited for the coming season. If you want to hire people you're really excited about, team up with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's matching technology finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. To try ZipRecruiter for free, just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com Greeny at ZipRecruiter.com Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. So much basketball today. But I got to get to some baseball here because I found this fascinating. Mike Rizzo agrees with me, and thus he's a genius. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long yeah, after Matthew its time. A genius, you said? Your genius. He's a genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. So, we talked yesterday about what happened the other night. Je- um... Joe Girardi, the manager of the Phillies. Gamesmanship. I told you, Hembo, it's gamesmanship. Sending the umpires out to the mound to check Max Scherzer a third time, even though it was obvious Scherzer was, in fact, because it was obvious that Scherzer was so frustrated with having to do it at all. Those are the rules. You got to get checked by the umpires. And that just is what it is. And every pitcher is going to have to get used to that. But Girardi, and you called it Bush League, sending the umpires out there. And I disagreed with you. I said that wasn't Bush League. That was gamesmanship. Scherzer is mowing down his guys. He's going to try and take him off his game. And the GM Mike Rizzo was on one hundred six point seven The Fan, and he agrees. That was his goal. Uh, he's a con artist. He 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 got you. He got you in the in the con. So uh, <laughs> you believe it, and uh, that's that's just the way, that's the way it is. He's been doing that for years. He was absolutely playing games. They went on. Do you think Girardi was playing games there? Of course he was. What are we? Idiots? <laughs> of course you I was. agree. But Eric, but there we go, Mike Rizzo. That's right. Hembo, he's calling you an idiot because this was gamesmanship and it is the one thing baseball got wrong. They gotta get that. Out Once the umps start checking them all the time, the manager should not be allowed to do that.
1: I think that you're exactly right. They're, they're checking pitchers multiple times in each of their appearances, and when relievers are coming into the game, they're checking them before they throw a single pitch. So it has yet to be explained to me why managers should even be allowed to do this. I think it's ridiculous. The fact that it happened once and got this ugly should indicate to baseball they need to make this change immediately. A con artist might be a, a bit strong language there, but I did say yesterday it was Bush, and I stand by that. Okay, it would, but...
0: One man's bush is another man's gamesmanship, (laughs) and and, and that's what I think it was. I would lean much more heavily to the second of those than the first of those. Either way, I have kind of mixed feelings on this. When I first saw all that stuff and guys dropping their pants and all this, there was a part of me that thought, this is a terrible look. And the more I spent thinking about it yesterday, the more I thought, you know, we're in the interesting business. Baseball is a sport where they play 162 games. Kind of hard to be interesting every day.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. That was interesting. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know just how bad for the sport that was. And the commissioner, Rob Manfred, had very interesting comments in an interview with The Athletic. He said, my view is the first two days have gone very well. We've had no ejections for foreign substances. Players in general have been extremely cooperative. The Inspections have taken place quickly in between innings. Frankly, the data suggests we are making progress with respect to the issues in spin rate that caused us to undertake the effort in the first place. So Rob Manfred says it's working. Hembo, is he right?
1: He's absolutely right. Aside from a few of these tantrums that pitchers are throwing, we saw Max Scherzer do it. We saw Sergio Romo take off his pants after allowing a home, a home run on Monday night or Tuesday night, mm-hmm. it was. But by and large, pitchers have been cooperative. And he's also true about the data. I looked into the data again this morning. Spin rates are down considerably this week. And 72 games have been played since we started doing this initiative. And so that's enough sample size to at least read into the fact that exactly what he's saying is correct. It is working. Now, whether or not it will change the game considerably in terms of the offense is TBD. But they wanted lower spin rates, and they're getting lower spin rates. So I kind of agree with Rob. It is working. Now, a a concern
0: was raised by Blake Trinan, the Dodgers reliever. He said, quote, the only thing I really don't like is it makes every pitcher that comes onto the mound kind of look like a guilty culprit until proven innocent. We all look like a bunch of cheaters in the public's eyes. That's his concern. Hembo is a legitimate
1: concern. It's a legitimate concern, but I can't sympathize with him. And the reason for it is because you are a bunch of cheaters. This is the... Your cheating created this problem, and thus we now have to nip it in the bud. So it's not much of a concern of mine that optically it does look a little bit weird to see your favorite pitcher come off the mound and be inspected, like you know, like he's you know going through TSA pre-check or some some such nonsense. But that's what that's you. Your actions necessitated this. And again, the data suggests that so far what Major League Baseball is doing is working. And when you're out here throwing video game type stuff that you could only throw with the enhanced substance on your finger, it's very hard for me to sympathize.
0: It's actually they're being inspected like you don't get if you have pre-check. They TSA CSA <laughs> without the pre-check. But, but, but your point is a good one. <coughs> and it does raise the question. So maybe he's clean. Maybe he wasn't doing this. Mm-hmm. I don't know from Blake Trinan whether he was using sticky substances illegally or not. And he's saying, hey, you're making us all look guilty. And what I would say is, well, where were you when they were doing this? I mean, how about saying this is a problem here, guys? You are cheating, and that's not right for the game. It's sort of like the clean players in baseball during the steroid era Mm -hmm. who were complaining, well, this is making all of us look like cheaters. And on on one level, I get that. But on another level, I want to say, well, you didn't do anything to stop it. We all saw the impact it was having on the game, and you just kind of stood idly by So if now everybody kind of looks guilty as charged, you kind of played some role in that. Again, I don't blame them for not wanting to be the snitch or whatever Mm -hmm. the case is. I get it. But at that point, I think you kind of forfeit the right to say, hey, this isn't fair to me. One way or another, I think it's a really interesting question. The poll is heating up. We got really good stuff on that. We have a million things left to get to today, including some stuff that Tom Brady said that is just flat ludicrous. Stay with
2: us. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio.